So the policy of uh, the administration right now um, seems to be from what we heard to oppose France, ignore Germany, and work, and work with Russia, or maybe Turkey as well. Uh, but I prefer also another uh, um, way of putting things, uh, which has been in the Financial Times, um, the relations from, with, between the United States with France are ice cold, with Germany cold, with Russia cool, with Turkey cooler, but still warm, and with China, China warm and warming. So I try to be, not to be too ice cold and to be as warm as possible. Um, and certainly the question of the future of transatlantic alliances is certainly um, uh, raised more certainly on this side of the Atlantic. Uh, and we uh, in Europe uh, are really asking ourselves, do the U.S. still need Europe? Uh, we, the question was raised, in fact, immediately after 9-11, when NATO, the NATO members of, uh, in, of European, the European NATO members, plus Canada, offered uh, to assist the United States under Article 5 of the NATO Treaty, when one country is attacked from outside, the rest, the other members, would join in defending him. And this offer was at first refused by the administration, the American administration, which was a, a kind of blow to, uh, the, for the European shock. Uh, then there was talk about coalition of the willing, uh, so variable, uh, invariable uh, um, procedures, um, especially so to work with a part of Europe or a part of NATO. And so the first thing to divide these institutions was not uh, certainly on our side. Uh, what um, maybe the administration estimated was the uh, cohesion and the solidarity in, within Europe about these issues. And maybe some governments, of course, were divided, the governments were, but on the issue, but the public opinions were not. And from Turkey to Great Britain, from Italy to Spain, Germany and France, of course, uh, the percentages of, and even Eastern Europe, which uh, was uh, sometimes assumed as being pro, much more pro-American, uh, in, in Eastern Europe as well, the percentages of opposition to the war in Iraq were almost, were in majority, almost everywhere, and in great majority. Um, so, also we heard talk that Europe became irrelevant to the world situation, and we, we, the Americans didn't need any more uh, Europe because Europe was not a substantial military force or political force to uh, be accounted for in the world. Uh, on the um, European side, we, of course, we're talking for a long time about a reform, an adaptation of the transatlantic alliances. 
And this has become very uh, obvious since 11-9, that means the fall of the Berlin Wall, in 9 November uh, 1989, and the subsequent events in Europe. So we were in a process of uh, reassessing the uh, transatlantic alliance from the point of view of the unity, the new unity of Europe and the new the enlargement of the European Union at the same time. Um, and so uh, there was a discussion going on uh, during all of the summits in NATO about the, re, uh, the new architecture of NATO, but not, of course, the end of any transatlantic alliance. On the contrary, uh, what we saw is that uh, NATO uh, was going to take more responsibility outside of Europe, and we witnessed recently that NATO has taken charge in Afghanistan, uh, in Kabul, and it's going on, uh, maybe uh, is, is there is prospect of also intervening um, in Iraq as such. Uh, for humanitarian reasons, for peacekeeping operation, on, for, of course, in, under, and in our understanding, under a mandate by the, U the United Nations. Uh, within Europe, uh, the European component, would say, of uh, the alliance, uh, building a, def a European defense capability, would be able also to take a charge um, on its own, and this is what is happening right now in Macedonia, and will hopefully happen in Bosnia. But we take uh, over the uh, responsibility of the operations uh, on our own. So there is a kind of a new definition of the work uh, between NATO and European Defense Forces, uh, not as certainly as was said as rival or as uh, opposite, but as really complementary. This uh, does not uh, end, of course, all the debate because um, there is still the debate on the value of uh, deterrence with a new strategy defined recently by President Bush of preemptive uh, strike. Of course, uh, our uh, relations are based on a certain strategic uh, vision of deterrence, of nuclear deterrence, and not on of strike, of preemptive strike. And whenever the NATO alliance was in crisis, it's always when a new strategic doctrine really has been uh, put forward on this side uh, and when you remember of course General de Gaulle the <coughs> President of France when he decided to uh, get out of the uh, military organization of NATO it was before because uh, there had been a new uh, strategic um, doctrine, Doctrine McNamara at that time and um, uh, which was um, defined um, during the war in Vietnam, and that they, they renounced uh, 
um, the um, overall um, strike um, or, or mutual, um, we call it mutual uh, assured uh, destruction, and going back to going to forward to a gradual response. That means that Europe may be not uh, uh, deterred as it was before. So John de Gaulle took over to uh, prepare for its uh, uh, French uh, national deterrence uh, force, which of course could be used for the benefit of Europe. Uh, so there is a debate, certainly, uh, of substance when the, the Americans define a new strategic um, doctrine. Now, of course, um, the issues since 9-11 uh, have changed also in, on this side. This doctrine has been defined certainly for some reason, and some reason, the reason of course was the fear uh, of 9-11. And 9-11 could have certainly put the, Euro the Europeans, or at least the French, who I spoke, um, and the Americans closer together in realizing the uh, uh, problem, the general problem of terrorism and the situation in the Middle East. Uh, but uh, on certain the, the, the opinions, the opinion polls at least, uh, in Europe and in America uh, show that apparently the, the two opinions do not see eye to eye uh, what is important uh, in the Middle East and especially what happens between Israel and Palestine. Uh, the nature of the conflict, the way to solve it, the importance it, is, it has on, natural, on national security for the Americans or for the Europeans. There is there a um, possibility of discussion and uh, disagreement sometimes um, because we are not in the same position. There is unity and cooperation on terrorism, on the war against terrorism, certainly, but on the roots of this terrorism we may defer, we may have a discussion. This discussion should be an open discussion. It's not a discussion, of course, of being uh, with us or against us. Uh, it has to be a dialogue, a conversation, a real conversation, in order for Europe and America to, again, uh, look eye to eye on what are the roots of this terrorism and what are the means to uh, uh, eliminate the causes of uh, this uh, clash. We think, uh, in certainly in Europe, being neighbors, being, uh, having a, a large part of Arab Muslim population uh, in Europe, we believe that the clash of civilizations is not inevitable between the West, I would say, and uh, the Arab Muslim population in the world. Uh, maybe sometimes here uh, there is a tendency to think that 
this clash may be inevitable. May be, uh, inevitable. Uh, we think it is evitable, uh, avoidable. We can, we can avoid it. Sometimes we hear more and more voices on this side of the Atlantic to think that uh, this is a, certainly one possibility of a clash in the future. Uh, so, and, it's, and, and certainly that uh, there is a difference on whether Israel and Palestine, the Israeli-Palestinian situation, is part of, the, of, this, of it or not. So this is a possibility uh, which opened to a conversation. I believe um, my colleagues would uh, elaborate this also on this issue. Thank you.